Welcome to the circus Where you are put on display Don't be so nervous You really don't have a say You barely open up your eyes Had no chance to have a life Replace the monkey Definition of circus I suppose it's using your body to perform to entertain other people. You can tell a story that a lot of people can relate to. Circus is for everyone. You can have high art lovers um, and they can be standing next to somebody who maybe just watches television and you know, they can both really enjoy the same show. I like to think of circus as telling stories in a different way. It's very filmic, it's very visual and it's more immediate than theatre and it breaks down some walls and barriers and it's very accessible. That's what I love about it, I guess. For me, when I watch physical performers sharing how they use their bodies, how they use their bodies to communicate, I think it's a very generous and open process and I think the audiences really feel that. It's no good at the end of the day if it's just, wow, that was fantastic, did you see all the mechanics and machinery and the tricks were wonderful? and there's not a little pang in your heart. Oh, what an exquisite moment, something that touched you. If you don't take anything away, that's not circus. Welcome to the circus, the one and only parade where you can serve us our entertainment and pay. We're eating popcorn in the stands, conductors striking up the band, curtains opening the light in the state. Welcome I'm Chris Borzini, a uh, tightrope walker. I'm Phoebe Borzini, Chris's wife and also a tightrope walker. A story is a great way to put on a show because it gives people a journey to follow. But what's more important is people's emotional engagement. The first one to come to mind is the show that Phoebe and I made together. A love story, not quite our love story, but not too dissimilar. I was always the showman character in the show and then Phoebe was a washerwoman and as they meet on the wire and this magic of, of this kind of hypnotic floating in the air um, kind of movement is what gets these two people's hearts to, to meet and, and obviously you know who doesn't love a, a love story. My name's Doug Francisco, I'm um, a ringmaster with the Invisible Circus Company. I think you become yourself in a way without the constructs or the limitations of society, maybe. I was quite a shy person, really. <laughs> but it's interesting because you're in that position to talk to a lot of people at once, so you can sort of say things that maybe need saying or critique things in society that everybody thinks or all that sort of stuff. So it's quite a powerful position, I suppose. Um, and the great thing about that character is you know that you've got a great thing to introduce, so it doesn't matter if there's a flat moment or you can let things drop and, and play with that tension and play with that discomfort, if you like, <laughs> sometimes, because you know that the next thing's going to come along. So circus especially is good like that. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Now, we're here to talk about some things you may not know. The fantasy and reality of everything we see and the lies behind the billboard signs of our throwaway today, I can sing you songs of freedom, of happiness and woe. Now you'll laugh, you may cry, but give it a try. It's your show, this life that you're living, and you'll live and you'll die. But in between, you can fly, if from your heart you can keep giving.
a lot of us don't want to be on display and yet there's a passion or a drive behind you that forces you to be judged every single day of your life and confront your worst fears. You kick into the show and the timing is tight between you. You're responding to the audience as, as you're doing it. You're, you're noticing what's happening at the back. You're, you, you sweat a lot. You're, you're, you're dynamically active. You're jumping up and down. You're running around. You feel incredibly capable and... I suppose at the, at the height as one's possibilities, you're giving out energy. You, it's like a, a heightened sense of being and you feel alive in those moments. The moments I love actually was working with Mike and some of the flying guys, you know, when we were early days when we were doing flying, particularly flying outdoors. A buzz, it's just a buzz really, it's a drug, it's adrenaline. You know, you do it for yourself rather than the audience I think is that level of the performer, you know. and sort of smoke, and the trapeze. The bit of flying trapeze that I think people have done it will recognise is, is the togetherness of the team. You kind of got everybody's lives in each other's hands and it has to be a huge amount of trust. It's all about living in that moment, catch and release, whether you're gonna make it, whether you're not gonna make it. You live in those moments. There must have been fully 25,000 visitors to Barnum and Bailey's show at Bedminster yesterday, their tents being crowded at each opening. Never before have so many people flocked through Bedminster as during this show. There is so much to see that there is never a pause. The eye has something constantly before it, and even the moments between the change of artistes are not those of optical rest for a number of funny clowns are fooling around in the arena. The aerial and acrobatic business is most bewildering. So many people are turning and twisting and swinging and jumping about at the same time that in trying to see one specially good performance, the visitor misses another. My name's Michael Wright. I'm a performer. Circus is a spectacle, which is part of the thing people come to circus for. They want the potential of death and blood and gore without actually ever having to face it. Danger and risk, the tweaking the nose of terror, <laughs> isn't it? We're controlled by our fears as a species. People are very frightened, I think. And maybe the role of danger is to show people that, the, that there's nothing to fear, but fear itself, really, and that seemingly impossible things are possible. So when you see someone being that brave, it's not just that they're that brave, it's that humans can, can be that brave and sort of challenge those rules. We definitely have to learn to, to work with fear. A lot of what we do is, is very high and it's without a safety and often we're above, you know, concrete or something. If fear is there to make you focus and put all your energy into being exactly where you need to be at exactly the right moment, you know, have the right timing, then the fear is healthy and it's good to work with it. If the fear causes irrational actions like to panic and, and over tension up or close your eyes because you just don't want to see what's going on, then obviously that's not very safe. Um, and so we have to learn to override that fear. I had an accident where I broke four vertebrae 
We'd agreed to do a year's contract in uh, Denmark, and we put two flying trapeze acts together for the one season, side by side, and you work in sync. And uh, when you negotiate your contract, we were told that the tent was going to be 12, 13 meters high, and when we got there, the tent was 10 meters high. So reluctantly, we agreed, and we rigged the way they did. The net is normally eight foot six off the ground, and we put it into just under six foot. Uh, also, in those days, the old canvas tents, it was icy, and the tent master was a little worried about the tent. So he heard what he thought was our final bows, and it was us doing our double passage. And I was the last person over, and what had happened was he rolled the tent down one meter to take the tension off the tent because he thought a tightening of the, the ice on the tent was going to rip the canvas. Meanwhile, what had happened, the people on my right had both missed and my flyer going underneath me had also missed. So when I looked down, I was 10 meters up in the air. And where they were standing, their weight had taken the net all the way to the ground. It's amazing how time slows down. You know, when they say how your brain works so incredibly fast to make decisions. You have the thought, do I land on my feet? No, my legs will go up through my hips and I won't walk again. Do I land on my belly? No, my lungs will collapse. What's the strongest part of the body? All the back muscles. I was 10 meters in the air, so... Splot. <laughs> I broke four vertebrae and they said I was incredibly lucky because they went apart and with the strength of the muscle, they just zapped back together again and I was fortunate I didn't pinch the spinal column. We had a full house, it was a um, performance, so we were fortunately the last act. Wow. So that's my, one of my big advices to students, you're the expert. It's your life, and the biggest tool you have in your box is no. I'm Jerry Cottle, I'm a circuit proprietor, and in recent years I'm one of the proprietors of the Wookie Hole Caves. I just saw my first circus when I was eight years old. Mum and Dad were just ordinary suburban London people. I lived near Chesterton Zoo and I used to go there from when I was 11 years old, grooming the ponies, shoveling up the ponies' mess, picking up the street papers at night. I used to juggle, I used to stilt walk, used to ride the unicycle around the park, saying what time the next show was. And um, I just wanted to be in the circus. And I just think it's a bit of excitement, living away from suburban London. Even now I'm a bit like that. I'm, I get frightened of being bored. You know, my dad used to go off to the city with his rolled-up umbrella, his bowler hat, and he used to come home at exactly the same time, and he did everything the same. Mum and Dad said, well, you, you better just get some GCSEs. I'd run away before I took any. I was definitely a misfit. Didn't feel like I fitted into any category for education or the real world and getting a job. Um, and I found that circus was a place where it really opened its arms, opened its doors to any body type and any mindset and there's no boundaries in circus. My background is with costume making. I went to the Bristol Vic Theatre School and always wanted to get into circus but thought you either had to be born into it or do gymnastics since you were five or whatever. And then I volunteered for the Invisible Circus, making them costumes and Chris started teaching me the ropes made me feel uh, very free. Well, I suppose for me, I was a traveller before I did circus. 
in a way, circus was a logical job to choose because it meant I could keep traveling. Um, personally, you know, I'm most happy sleeping out under a tree or, you know, in the back of the truck, uh, pulled up on the side of the motorway as I am in a posh hotel. In fact, I'm probably happier on the road. I always wanted to be the boss. And then when I was 25, I bought a tiny little tent and we just started from nothing. We started down here in the West Country. First place we ever played was Sturminster Newton. We travelled all round the southwest, and um, we were very lucky. I mean, we just grew very quickly. I had a partner called Brian Austin. We're still mates 50 years later. He was another boy who'd run away from home. Cornwall's Temple of Wonder and Circus of Variety. Back to the full moon, North Street, Bristol. Among the professors of equestrianism and performers of gymnastic exercises are the following artistes. Mr. Lavater Lee, celebrated as a somersault vaulter for the ease and rapidity with which he throws an immense number of somersaults. Mrs. McIntosh, the pride of Caledonia, whose equestrian exercises are both peculiar and interesting. Mr. Samuel, the Herculean horseman, Mrs. Cornwall, who as female rider has no equal. It's very exhausting, the circus life. It is hard work. When you move, whatever you do, whether you're selling tickets in the box office or whether you're performing as a clown, you're at it all day long. You know, you do two shows, you then take the tent down, everybody helps take the tent down, then you're driving a lorry, then you're getting in two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Then you're getting up at seven, eight o'clock to start putting the tent up again. My son-in-law, Ingo, is in charge of the Moscow State Circus. He's so tired all the time. So it usually starts two hours before the performance and it'll be makeup, costume. Cool, it starts about four days before the performance. Yeah. Sort of like swinging sledgehammers <laughs> and carrying heavy bits of metal and uh, the We rhythms. have to. <laughs> move about a ton of metal from inside a truck and set up this high wire and that might mean banging in 50 stakes. My name is Dr. Paul Green or they call me PG in the circus. I am one of the many people who multitasks on a regular basis. There's nobody in the circus that I can think of that just has one role. There's just not enough money to go around and it's much more of a collective. And at the end of it all, at the end of a long, hard day, it will go on into the, the morning through celebrations and blowing off steam and stuff. And that's always been the hardest part for me is actually I can do the build, I can do the performance, I can do the takedown, but I cannot keep up with the partying at the end of all of it. I'm such a delicate flower when it comes to that. But these guys, it's like, where, where are you pulling the energy for this from? How are you doing it? And it's, it is that joie de vivre, that joy of life that keeps everybody going. Because there is the hard work side and, and, and that is really real, then there does have to be a reward. And it's really, really rewarding when people come up at the end of a show and say how much they've been moved. It's about the endorphins you get from performing, but also the, the feedback you get from performing and being able to touch people um, and entertain people. I mean, there's always energy coming back at us from the audiences and from the crowds. 
because you're giving out with a lot, but the more you give out, the more you get back. It does fill you, the applause or laughter. The biggest rewards, leaving something behind, an impression, a thought, an inspiration, make a change. My name is Kate Hartog. I've worked as a producer behind the scenes, helping companies to achieve their artistic vision. Generally, sex people are really brilliant at working as a team. I think that kind of more DIY attitude, which does roll on from traditional circus, where people muck in and do a bit of everything, is really special and really beautiful, and it makes the circus world really lovely to work in. I mean, I'd relate it to a family, but it's a family of choice. It's an extended family that's not, it's not a blood family, but it's people that you trust your life in completely, yeah, and so you become really close. So the so rehearsal is going on for our show, which is going to be on next Tuesday and Wednesday. So it's a group of physical performers, visual artists, and sound designers. Um, I do walk about kind of character stuff with the circus, and so I'm kind of throwing that into the pot as well. Some of us only just met each other last week, and so it's a really intensive 10-day program ending with two performances. You're out of the picture by then, so you walk out. I think people are tired of digital experiences and it's kind of coming around where people want like a real thing made by a real person. That's where things like circus and theatre come into it and what's interesting is the way that's kind of infiltrating with music festivals say where you're kind of reaching out to a younger generation that's kind of taking circus out of its own comfort zone and into new realms. For me, contemporary circus is performance that has an ambition to be more than just entertainment, an ambition to communicate either a story or um, a concept and that is devised in a very different way from a traditional circus. Of course, traditional circus relies on established formats. It's familiar. Contemporary circus, I think, is much more about the group, the collective. I think it does have a, more of a sense of a, a, a bigger worldview, of going outside the, the little bubble, which is the circus tent. Uh, Billy Alwyn, Artistic Director of Circus U. Well, there is definitely um, political with a small p side to what we do because we take circus outdoor arts to audiences that often don't see live performance in that way. I've always had a, quite a good connection with traditional circuses, you know, I've worked with Jerry Cottle. I think there's a lot to learn from traditional circus, from skills, and there's obviously a crossover between us. But the world that we make shows in is very different, you know, it's not in big tops, it's in outdoor spaces, it's city centres and spectacles, it's in theatres, but we're still making circus, you know, still about the skills. I don't like to see this polarisation, I don't like to see the division. I believe that circus is circus and, and what we need to do is not say, oh that's like that, that's called trad and all, oh, that's like that, it's called contemporary, but like just embrace it all. Bristol's an important place for circus because we have 
a good infrastructure here for people to come and train and make work here. I think Bristol has a strong DIY attitude as far as um, circus goes. I think that there's been a lot of influence from underground music scenes and summer festival scenes that create a radical approach to the work that's made. There is something about Bristol. It's certainly held a lot of people here that had been very nomadic before. I had never lived anywhere very long before coming to Bristol. There's a, a lot of creative people packed into a very small space. Um, Circle Media being established here quite a long time ago and full time before it has meant that a lot of people have come and trained here. My name's Bim Mason and I'm the co-founder of Circa Media and its artistic and education director. Once we got Circa Media going, ex-students would stay and they'd start to make work. And it was connected with the street theatre scene. Children in the audience, this is a dangerous stunt. I'm a professional, that's why I work on the streets, okay? Grassroots things go on in Bristol and it's always had a kind of slightly rebellious side to it as well, hasn't it? Kids, don't do this at home, do it at school. It's really different to any other city. And there really is this, this open doors policy and this support from local government, there is always this feeling that they, they want creative, cool stuff to happen in that city. The work that comes out of Bristol is very unique. When we make shows, we can often make our shows with Bristol-based artists and with other Bristol-based companies' expertise, you know, whether it's rigging or equipment. And I think that's a great export for Bristol, really. Bristol's got that energy, I think. It's important that there's a lot of young people coming into circus in Bristol all the time and giving it new ideas. Um, I'm Ruby Burgess. I'm a third year student on the BA course at Circa Media. This afternoon I've been making a mask. I've made a mould of my face um, and then we've used clay and plaster of Paris. It's got a big nose with massive nostrils and it's sort of turned up at the end. Um, and it's got big eyebrows pointed into the middle so it looks like someone who's angry but looking down at you at the same time. And what's that piece going to be about then? Um, it's about women as consumable objects. <laughs> um, so I'm going to use food, like how it's sweetie, honey pie, people get, women get named after food and that sort of thing. To me, the stuff I make needs to have something behind it, um, some kind of social political message. So finding ways to put those into circus is what I'm really interested in. Circuses now, it's here, it's vital, it's risky, and you're never satisfied. Even now at 70, there's still the same challenges about having to communicate something and not just do stuff. It's, it's certainly full of incredibly bright, intelligent people who have a, a philosophy and an ethos. You know, I'm, I feel sort of honoured that we've, we've played our part in the, in the long story of um, circus in Bristol. I wish I could be here to see where it is in 250 years' time.